Good afternoon, everybody Uneducated Economist here. So my wife was telling me a story just a little bit ago about a video that she was watching talking about Vlad the Impaler. And this is a pretty interesting story that she was telling me. So she was kind of just telling me about this like history that was taking place during the, I think it was the 1400s in which that this was happening. And what is current day Romania, um, there was... A guy who was like 17 years old. This is like, you know, Vlad the Impaler, Dracula, right? You know, a lot of people have heard this story. And I'm not trying to get too deep into the story itself because really I don't know the details of it. It was just one part of it that my wife was telling me that really caught my attention. And there was a point in which that Vlad was trying to fix his country up. Like there was some serious issues. It was going into economic crisis. And... He knew that they, he had to do something. Now, the number one thing that he did right off the bat was he dealt with some of the social issues that were happening. Basically, people were behaving immorally, right? Or at least in his opinion. Um, he started dealing with the thievery, the infer, you know, infidelity, the everything that was like basically in his mind considered bad. He started like hammering down on and, you know, with some serious punishments for it. So once he kind of cleaned up like the social aspect of the of the country, he did something that was really horrific. I mean, this is like like just mind blowing. As bad as all the stories that have been told about him, you know, as far as like, you know, putting people on, you know, stakes and stuff and sticking them up in the air. What he did was is that after he had kind of fixed the social issues of his country, what he did is is he took all the poor people, like the undesirables, right? And he realized there was too many of these poor people in his country to try and deal with. And so he rounded them all up and said, hey, we're going to have this huge banquet, right? You're going to come and you're going to really enjoy all this food and good times that we're going to have, big party for you. And so he invited like all these people into this big building and locked the doors and burned them up. And the only people who were left were the rich elitist, the property owners. And from that point on, the country was able to prosper. And everybody who was left over from this event absolutely loved it. Right? They were all of a sudden in good times and doing quite well. Now that all the undesirables were gone. And she's telling me this story. <clears throat> and I'm just kind of like, like, whoa, man. So I don't know if I told it exactly right, but it goes down something similar to that. And now, of course, I just start immediately thinking about the economic impacts of this. You know, here you had a nation full of very poor people, or a lot of them, who was basically a dra drag on society. And so he just did away with them all in one shot. And so now I think about, like, some of the things that happen inside of the countries and nations, and then thinking about, like, when you hear population control, um, population decreasing, trying to figure out family formations. And you think about some of the economic impacts of some of this stuff that is happening out there. Now, I know you guys hear me say it a lot. I love Cantillon's essay. Cantillon's essay on economic theory addresses this very thing, how to increase and decrease the population of a state. And he basically brings it down to the property owners. 
and the tastes and wants of these property owners. And they're the ones who really determine how much population there will be in a particular area, the area of the property owners anyway. And so something that I found interesting when I started reading through Cantillon's essay on this, and it's chapter 15, the increase and decrease of the number of people in the state chiefly depends on the taste and the fashions and the ways of life of the property owners. Population is based on the taste and choices of the property owners. Earlier versions of the Malthusian approach to population growth, that is, follow some mathematical formula, are criticized. This chapter also shows that the opulence and lavish spending of the prince and absentee landlords living far from the lands was, the, was responsible for the poverty and declining population of France, which ultimately led to the French Revolution. Now, this is really difficult to wrap your head around to think about how it is that the economic impact of the property owners and their desires and how that can in turn increase or decrease the population. And although this is written back in the 1700s, I still think a lot of this plays out today. When you think about some of the more... Um, affluent areas of the nation and how much population there is in those particular areas. When you think about countries that are like overpopulated or say have an incredibly high population rate, India is about ready to take over China. And you think about some of the things that Cantillon says about what it takes to have an increase or decrease to a population of a state. Listen to this. Um... When I said that property owners might multiply the population as far as the land would support them, I assumed that most men desire nothing better than to marry if they are set in a position to maintain their families in the same style as they are content to live themselves. That is, if a man is satisfied with the production or with his production, he will marry if he is sure to having enough to maintain his family in the same style. However, if he is only satisfied with, with his production, <clears throat> he will be in no hurry to marry unless he thinks he can support his family in the same manner. So what he's trying to say there is that if a man has put himself in a position in which that he can support a family, he will do it so long as he can do it in a way that it continues his same style of living so that he can continue in the same fashion. If it takes him to go, like if he has to decrease his standard of living, then he will be in no hurry to marry. And this is what Cantillon is trying to say. Now, when you continue on into this chapter, he continues on to say this. The increase of population can be carried furthest in countries where the, where the people are content to live the most poorly and consume the least production of the soil. In countries where all peasants and labor are accustomed to eat meat, drink wine and beer, not many inhabitants can be supported. So this is something to think about. If you have a lot of people or a lot of population, what's happening is, is that the land and the people who are supported by that land are decreased 
like the amount of people are decreased to the land if they consume more of that land. If they consume less of that land, the bigger the population will go. Let me read it again. The increase of population can be carried furthest in countries where the people are content to live the most poorly and consume the least production of the soil. In countries where all, all the peasants in labor are accustomed to eating meat, drinking beer and wine, etc., not many inhabitants can be supported. So if you have a higher standard of living, the capabilities of having a bigger population diminishes. He goes on to say this, and this is really gets really interesting to think about because a lot of people are assuming the idea that as time goes on, population just naturally grows bigger. And that kind of makes sense. Like, you know, it just more people keep getting born every day and then those people have more people and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And so a lot of people had just used this naturally growing argument. In fact, he says here, he addresses this in this particular uh, paragraph. Sir William Petty and after him, Mr. Devinot, excuse me, inspector of the customs of England, seemed to depart from the nature or seemed to depart from nature when they tried to calculate the propagation of the race by progressive generations from Adam, the first father. Their calculations seemed to be purely imaginary and to be drawn up at random on the basis of what they have seen of the actual birth rate in certain districts. How could they explain the, the decrease of those innumerable people uh, formerly found in Asia, Egypt, etc., and even in Europe? So what he is saying is that these people like stood around like for a while and watched this population growth, and they said, okay, well, natural population growth just happens over time. And so what he is trying to say there is like they didn't take into consideration particular areas where they saw population decreasing. He goes on to say, if 17 centuries ago there were 26 million people in Italy, now reduced to 6 million at most, how can it be determined by progression of Mr. King of that Mr. King that England, which today contains five or six million inhabitants, will probably have thirteen million in certain number of years. We see daily that English Englishmen in general consume more of the product of the land than their fathers did, and this is the real reason why there are fewer inhabitants than in the past. So as the standard of living started to increase, they were consuming more of the land. Because they were consuming more of the land for their higher standard of living, there was less land to be available for population growth. And that is how Cantillon was saying it, was describing it. The increase of population can be carried furthest in countries where the people are content to live the most poorly and to consume the least production of the soil. In countries where all the peasants in labor are accustomed to eat meat, drink, drink wine and beer, etc., not many inhabitants can be supported. So this is really where I think you should be very concerned when you start hearing countries talking about population control or population increase or decreasing. According to Cantillon, in the conditions in which that the population will increase the most is where the people are most content to live the most poorly. This is something to be very concerned about. 
if they are talking about increasing the population of your nation, the best way, the, the increase the population can be carried the furthest if the countries where the populate or the people are content to live the most poorly. Think about the nations where people have said that the population growth has gone negative and that that's a problem. Okay. Have they done anything about it yet? Are they going to straight up like openly say that they are going to do something about this? What is the economic conditions that need to be in place in order to have the population carry to the furthest? You would need to be content to live the most poorly. Think about what Val Vlad, Vlad did. Vlad the Impaler. He was looking out at his land and he said, holy moly, there's all these poor people. They're not the property owners. They're just the inhabitants. And there's not enough land to support them no matter what. There wouldn't be enough land to give them any kind of way of life. And if they started to expand in population, then there would be no resources for them and everybody would be falling into poverty so he killed them and then everybody who was left over the property owners were able to progress again they were able to have children that would have a better standard of living than they did because they would have more to consume from the land that the uh, undesirables were consuming. Think about this. Population control. Uneducated economists. You let me know.